0: All right. Another episode of Too Fit to Be Tied. What are we talking about today?
1: Oh, sorry. I guess I should get off my <laughs> what? your fucking phone.
0: phone. What is the- <laughs> Give I, me that thing. I am You're-
1: working right now. I'm working.
0: I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on that, but okay. Fine.
1: We are talking about... Um, what are we talking about? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
0: God. All right. We're talking about getting a new... Podcast co host. (laughs) I'm taking applications. Constance is now on probation.
1: I am. My God, I suck today. Um, We are talking about uh, people's bodies, really.
0: Okay. We want to go a little more specific on that. Are we just judging people? We're just judging people's bodies. That's a good one. (laughs) 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 That one needs some work. It's got potential.
1: So, you know. First of all, we all know genetics plays a role in people's bodies, right? I mean, people—absolutely. Oh, you know, pe- some people have more muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Some people have more testosterone. Others don't. Others carry fat a little bit differently. Yeah. But I think that the main thing is that we get clients—not all the time. We, so mm-hmm. we get a lot of clients that just want to lose a little weight or go back to like yeah. pre-pregnancy weight if they're women, or you mm-hmm. know post or pre pre post dad body, you know yeah. Um, but Pre. there are pre-post-dad body, before Pre. the after-dad body.
0: Oh, so there's dad body and then there's...
1: Pre-dad body. Pre-post-dad body is the bad one.
0: Pre-post... Okay, so that means that you have a regular body,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: get a dad body, mm-hmm. and then you get post-dad body, Yeah. which is... What is that? That's just bad. Just... That's like... Just that's like, guy. That guy.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> like we got our work cut out okay, for us. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs>
0: Got it. Okay.
1: And then you get you have people that are like, I want to look like oh, this, people on magazines.
0: This I w- I want to look like this celebrity. You know, true. It's like you don't have the genetics, genetics to, right. to look like that. I mean, you know, and I I tell people to let's focus on being the best version of you. Yes. Because you know, cer- certain people just have different body types, and You can't look at, um, I don't know, this superstar and say, okay, I want a body like that if you don't have a similar body type to begin with. So if you focus on, this is my opinion, focus on being the best you that you can be, then that is the ultimate goal.
1: You know, I used to have a friend when I used to work in like the actual, you know, big chain health club industry. And... I would say, you should go take this person's class. And she'd be like, oh, I'm not taking her class. And I'm like, well, why not? I Have you seen her body? Have you seen her legs? I don't want to look like that. And I'm like, first of all, you are not going to look like that, okay? That's just the way her body looks. Just because mm-hmm. you take her class doesn't mean you're going to morph into her body, you know? Body tone or body shape.
0: Oh, I, I get that so much from when I do consultations with women. They'll go, well, I don't, I don't want arms like yours. <laughs> you know, and I'm like no shit. I'm like, "Huh? Oh, okay, don't worry about that." <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'm like, "Yeah, don't don't worry. Yeah. You're not going to get. It. That's not going to happen." Yeah, it's not going to happen.
1: But people do think like it is. First of all, they think if they do what you do, they're going to look the way you look. Right. Or if I do what the people on the magazines, what I think the people on the magazines are going to do, I'm going to look like that. Yeah. And I think the main goal is those people in those magazines whether they're bodybuilders or fitness competitors most of the time that's what those fitness sort of people look like mm-hmm. um they don't realize what really goes into that and it the same holds true for for celebrities
0: yeah i mean there's there's a I, I mean in a lot of cases especially with the bodybuilding magazines like when i was a kid i used to love these magazines with like i don't know arnold schwarzenegger mm-hmm. and Luke ferrigno all those guys just enormous i mean i don't want to look like that now, but as a kid, you know, that's, you know, that's what you look. But a lot of what goes into that is a lot of supplements, a lot of, I think, unhealthy diets, mm-hmm. um, steroids. Yep. Yeah. Oh, did, did I ever tell you about that? <laughs> I was at, um, remember we used to, the place we used to work at, we first worked together. Yes. And I was in the locker room and this guy comes and he's probably, I don't know, he's like maybe in his... Looks like he's, like, mid-40s, like, middle age, I guess. And so he goes, we're talking, and he goes, if if I wanted to get some steroids, where where would I get those? <laughs> and I go, I'm like, yeah, you don't want to take steroids. I'm like, you know, those things. I said, first of all, I don't know where to get them. And, you know, those things aren't healthy for you. Talk about all the, you know, negative like, side oh effects God, and that sort He's like, wrong guy.
1: Wrong guy to hit up.
0: No. actually. So he finished. He heard my whole story. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, but really, where would I get them? I'm, I'm like, seriously, I, I mean, first of all, why do you, why do you?
1: Maybe that was a compliment. Maybe he just thought you are have such a nice body that you have to be taking steroids, and you know where to get them.
0: I think it was some way, in some way, uh, a compliment. But but even after I told you, like I don't know. He's like, well, yeah, like, all right. But for real. For real. But for real now, tell me where to get them. I'm like, dude, I'm, you know, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I took us off track. Yeah, you did so, take us
1: off track. So today we're actually interviewing um, Shelly Bastion. She is a chiropractor who actually has done a lot of work with um, bodybuilders and um, fitness competitors back in her uh, heyday. And now she's now she's fixing all of them. Uh, um, but her business is Optimal Health and Rehab Clinic. And that is at a Lombard. So we are going to speak to her today. Uh, How do you feel about that?
0: I, you know, I I think it's interesting that we have these little conversations beforehand, and our guests line up to exactly what we're talking about. It's
1: very weird. It's like it? some
0: weird coincidence.
1: It is very coincidental. All right, let's see if she answers her phone.
0: <laughs> you, you didn't set this thing up. Does she I know? Mean, we're, does she know she's doing a podcast? I'm,
1: we're going to find out. <laughs> we have Shelly Bastion from Optimal Health and Rehab on the line. And um, Shelly, now as a chiropractor, I knew you back in the day when you were a personal trainer um, and you were just started getting into um, chiropractic uh, treatment. But I want to know as a chiro, tell us your philosophy on health, wellness, nutrition.
2: I think most chiros kind of get this rap for being the alternative healthcare, natural, no medications, less prescription drugs. We do things by nutrition, supplements. And making the body speak the way that it should to your brain and central nervous system so that you can heal yourself. It's probably the best way I can describe that. Hmm. So my philosophy as a chiro is kind of, it reaches maybe a little bit deeper than that just because I've been a trainer for so long and have a nutritional background and a rehab personal training background.
1: You did work a lot with bodybuilders, fitness competitors. Um, is that correct?
2: So um, I started going to these shows, seeing these bodybuilding things, thinking, hey, listen, I've been working out all these years. What do I do with this? Maybe I'll try to do this. So that's where kind of the seed was planted to start competing. Mm -hmm. But then on the back half of that, I liked the idea of the nutritional um, dieting and the things that you needed to do to do it. It seemed like it's this extremely healthy lifestyle thing that you should be doing. So um, I ended up coaching for a while. And I think I always knew when I was competing that I wasn't I wasn't meant for the competing portion of it. I was like, you know, I was the coaching side of it just because of the knowledge I had.
1: So tell us what is the typical like bodybuilder fitness competition diet, traditionally speaking?
2: So traditionally this is, and and this is like taken an evolution since the beginning, but when I first started into this industry, it was like, Hey, listen, you got to eat eight ounces of chicken. You need to have sweet potatoes. You need to have protein shakes. You need to have rice cakes. You need to have like, there was, you know, five, six staple foods. That's kind of how it all started. But I hate to like switch it, but it, it's not that way now. At least I should say it is still that way depending on your coach, mm-hmm. but it's not that way if you research your coaches or you you get somebody that actually has knowledge and not somebody who's like oh i competed and i had enough coaches so now i can just diet together for you got it got it
0: and and how would you rate those diets from a health standpoint horrible they're horrible
2: so when you talk back about old school dieting and and things that are still happening to this day those diets are not exactly healthy now don't get me wrong like that was one of the reasons why I was successful as a coach is because a lot of what I was doing was stuff that other coaches weren't doing. And that's a variation to the diet. So if you have the right coach, these things can be extremely healthy. They are still in restrictions. So you don't want to confuse the idea that this isn't like the Mediterranean diet and you're living real life. These are deprivation diets so that your body has to attack its body fat percentage. So,
1: so- this is not like a lifestyle change, ch- lifestyle diet or this is not like a... I'm going to still go out with my friends and do the things I still want to do and go out to bars. This is a complete 180 in terms of what a regular person in a, on a moderate diet would be doing.
2: Yes. If you're really fully committed to competing now, I should probably say at least 40% of competitors aren't that they still go out with their friends. They still do what they want to do and they still try to get up on stage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But But do they win? They don't win.
2: No, no. Yeah. No, they're just fun to look at. (laughs) You're like, Oh, that person did not buy it. Well,
1: Hmm, interesting. Okay. What are the pros and cons of competing?
2: Oh, this could be a long list, but really, I would say pros are you're probably going to be the most balanced in diet. Again, if you have the right coach, if you're following some of these old school bodybuilding traditions, you are going to be the worst health you could possibly, you might be leaner than you've ever been, but that does not mean your organs, your systems are in balance and they're working the right way.
1: What about working out? How many hours are these people spending on actual workouts a week, a day?
2: If you have a good coach hour to hour and 15 minutes of weight training, but probably upwards of three hours of cardio. So you're looking at being in the gym three to four hours a day. The most unhealthy part of bodybuilding happens in the last four weeks. You're you're doing tricky things with the body so that you can get that last few um, body fat percentage or pounds off. Then that's when it gets a little, little hairy.
1: What does it look like? Right at the end of the competition, or right at the beginning, I should say, of the competition, like that 24 to 48 hours, can you tell us about how restrictive it is in terms of water, in terms of diet at that point? Because people see these, actually, I just want you to tell my clients right now, please. (laughs) Just let them know that what they see on those magazine covers is something that is almost unattainable on a regular moderate workout plan and nutrition plan you know because those people are really restricting um in order to look that way
0: yeah and there's probably some airbrushing involved and
1: there's probably some tanning and airbrushing and all that but can you tell us a little bit of what, about what that looks like
2: you will see on the pro level and this is like and this happens on state level so don't Don't get me wrong. It's like they got a coach and that coach wants these girls to be on Anavar or wants them to be on Winnie or wants them to be on some kind of hardening drug or like dehydration drug. A lot of people take um, they take like furosemide or some kind of diazide to pull water. So you're, you're trying to deplete the body of its interstitial fluids so that it's just like grainy rookie. Now mind you, you cannot do this if you have not dieted right and you are still living a life and hanging out with your friends while you're trying to diet. Mm. So it's, it's this fine line and this is where people run the biggest risk of injury. This is where people get hurt is if they don't know, these last few hours, 24 to 48 hours, look like you're starving, you're tired, you're probably not sleeping, and for some coaches, you're not drinking any water. Wow. So, And that's where you run this risk is because I think there's a lot of coaches out there that probably don't have any chemical um, knowledge behind their belt when they're offering up advice for certain supplementations or black market drugs that you should be taking when you are competing. And when they do that and they don't know what they're doing, they can really dehydrate a person to the point of injury or, or death. That is I mean, really if scary. You look back, yes. If you look back at our like pro quality, you'll see a couple guys who have died the day of competing. And it's rare. I, I wish I would have come up with a name prior to this. Um, I know there's been one here in the last seven or eight years even. It's rare that it happens, but, and you don't know the underlying conditions that are there, but when people are dehydrated to that point, it can be very dangerous for them. Oh. we are, if you think about it, I think the percentage of body is 90, roughly 90% water. If you start pulling that water and some of these people will pee out, you know, 10 pounds or more of water, you're starting to, to affect their bodily systems.
1: And then Absolutely. what happens when, okay, competition day, you know, they've restricted, all this stuff has happened. And then they just are done. I mean, they go into donut eating and, you know, water wow. drinking and coffee consumption. I mean, what happens to the system and also what happens to their bodies once they are they treat it like a complete diet?
2: It's funny because it's not really funny, but you get what I'm saying. It's funny to watch some of these people because reverse dieting wasn't such a thing back in the day. We used to be like, okay, you're done. Go. Let's go. What are you going to eat? You're going to have pizza, pasta? What do you want? And then we saw these competitors blowing up, you know, gaining 20, 30, 50 pounds for these big boys out there in days. Wow! Can you imagine the tax of that on your kidneys? Your kidneys can't keep up with that. You're basically putting yourself into kidney acute kidney failure. You're retaining so much water that the capillary exchange is not there. You've pushed and taxed the system, which taxes the heart. So you're just talking like you're you're systemically hoping that you're not going to send your body into failure. And it's hard because when you don't have, and this is what people don't understand, when you don't have carbs in a diet and you haven't kept them in there, the body actually slows down the ability to process the carb. So as you slow down the the ability to process that carb and you took in carbs, it's a bottomless pit. The body does not uh, signal satiation. So then you end up eating more and more and more you don't have that trigger that says, Hey, I'm full. So by the time you get there now, it takes three or four days where most people will start to process the car before that 12 to 24 hours. Now you have people not processing that car for days and then it hits them. And when they start to process that carb, water follows, water goes into interstitial spaces where you start seeing pitting edema and skin stretching. And, um, like sometimes, uh, inability to breathe properly so many things happen there. Like I, if there was one thing I could plug, if you are a competitor or want to compete is make sure you have a, a coach who is also going to reverse diet. You, mm-hmm. you yeah. have to add these things back in and you have to do it slowly. So the body then readjusts to how to process them.
1: Talk to us about regular people that diet that are really restricting that are, you know, no carb at all that are Atkins or keto or, and then they go off of it. Do, do Are there similar effects that happen to those types of people regardless of whether or not they're competing?
2: 100%. There's never been a scientific study that's shown that an Atkins diet is any better than a low-carb diet, but the difference is, like, there's no benefit to that, right? But the benefit to being a low-carb diet is you still have carbs in there and your body will not totally forget what to do with them. Mm-hmm. But Atkins was made for that, like, you'll lose weight fast because you have no carbs. There's no blood glucose there. So what do you do? Your body goes and attacks its storages. The problem is that's not sustainable. The second you put a carb back in, your body had forgotten what to do with it. It takes a longer period of time. You pull water back in and you gain the weight you had lost. Plus some, oftentimes you tax your body, you tax your kidneys, you tax organs, and then you start all over again. And you think, well, that worked so well last time. I should do that again. When you have these keto diets, um, you're also going to find that you're going to have a really hard time sustaining if you ever change that diet back to something Hmm. that seems more reasonable. You want to go out with your friends. You want to have a drink. You want to eat the pizza that everybody's eating. It's going to tax you. Like you're going to have a problem.
1: So see, this is why I don't stop drinking, because I don't want my body <laughs> to forget, to, to what, to forget what to do. to
2: forget, right. You don't want that
1: to happen, because then you're, not, you're kinda out. Yeah, see, Jerome, you okay. see? Right. This is this just right. this just plays into my theory.
0: Okay. See, see you have a you have a doctor on your side, is that is so
1: that... I guess, yeah, right. I got uh, the doctor told me, don't stop. Um so the last question I have for you is: I get
2: so much hate mail after this. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in more ways than one.
0: Uh, um, all publicity is good publicity, right? That's I true. Think that's...
1: that's true. So sure, If yeah. if, uh, if someone close to you was interested in doing a competition diet um, or c- just competing in general, um, would you? Someone close to you, you know, could be your daughter when she gets older. Would you? Um, would you be for it or would you be against it?
2: Honestly, I would say that it's a by-person kind of uh, opinion, if that makes sense. If I have an athlete in my family or, you know, my daughter, maybe she grows up and she's, you playing soccer now, let's say she maintains a pretty good body fat percentage and she always looks pretty good and she wants to do some kind of competition – I would think it would be pretty easy for her and there would be no need for her to be in deprivation that would be dangerous for her, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I could you want somebody to if they look great and they've been working out, put them on stage like that. Don't change anything, just place them on stage like that. Don't try to mess with their waters and sodiums and carbs and all that the last week. But if you if I have somebody close to me and they're like, you know, 30 pounds overweight and they're like, I think I want to do this cuz this is the thing that's going to get me in shape and I'm going to I Oftentimes say, hey, listen, live the lifestyle for a year, live the healthy eating and the exercising and those occasional nights where you you know you're going to go out and have a good meal and not worry about it. Live the lifestyle first, then make that decision, because there's a lot more to it than you think there is. Right. And your rebound for that can set you backwards. And then it's not 20, 30 pounds overweight. It's 50, 60 pounds because it's such a mind-altering sport that you are in such deprivation. You, oftentimes people compete once and never compete again. Now, I will say if it was my daughter, I'm going to tell her no, because there's a, a whole nother side to the industry that, you know, as a mom, you don't want your daughter to be involved in. There's good parts of it and there's bad parts of it. And just as a mom, I'm kind of like, no. Um, what about so, your so son? So wait, wait. 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 Okay, interested. hold
1: on. I have Uh-oh. another question. Uh-oh. What if What <laughs> if it was your son?
2: Same, same rules. Because really? I'm that mom. Okay. Like, I think that there's that idea that um, men are supposed to be like this picturesque, like body. I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it, but I don't want my daughter to be caught up in some aspects of it and there's other aspects that I wouldn't want my son to be caught up in Mm. right but again if he was you know something that he wanted to try I'd probably do there to encourage him and make sure that I coached him and not somebody else that didn't know
1: yeah Uh, well of course that's the whole point of this we need a good you need a good coach right right. (laughs) so tell us where people can find you Shelly
2: so uh, I run a little clinic in Lombard at um I'm actually sandwiched between a, a Brewster's chicken and a Sal's pizza, so I get the best <laughs> of both worlds right there. But uh, Yeah, I run a uh, clinic in Lombard. I am there six days a week and at three to, uh, 350 West 22nd Street.
1: Okay, in Lombard, Illinois, optimal health and rehab, right? Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, but, you for doing this for Yeah, us. thanks so much for we doing so the podcast. We so appreciate it.
2: Yeah, do you guys have any other weird questions? Or? Do you have any weird questions, Jerome?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh I don't think so. I think I asked them my weird questions. Yeah, it's it's
2: just a weird sport. So it's
1: one of those. It is. I mean, it's fast. I find it fascinating. I find the people in it fascinating. I find the whole aspect of it fascinating. But that's like in anything. You know, you find those ultra marathon runners. You find those, um, you know, super triathletes, and I mean, they're everybody's. You know, got a different reason for why they compete.
0: They do what they do. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: They do, and and some reasons are uh, more admirable than others. But I think the thing that's so different about bodybuilding is that no matter if you stand on stage with somebody else, it's so subjective. It's not an objective sport. So depending on the panel of judges dictates whether all your work meant something or didn't mean anything or didn't mean as much. And you're constantly competing against yourself. So everything you do, the exercise program, the eating, the cheating, maybe that's all going to affect you. Right. And it doesn't matter because maybe you cheated your butt off, stood up there and took a first place. Maybe you busted your butt and was like, the hardest working one and you stood there and took six. It's one of those things where it's just like as much work as you put in may not be as rewarding as you think because you just never know what's going down that day.
1: And you could stand next to somebody in the same, you know, the same division as you, and you could do the same diet and have the same coach and do the same workouts, but look totally different because of genetics, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, we. my husband and I laugh now because he competed. It's kind of how it kick-started our relationship is he was competing and asked for some help with something. And it was funny because he stood on stage at his last show in the open, got lined up, took first place, then went to the novice and took second place to the guy he just beat five minutes before for the first place. So you're sitting there and you're thinking, wait, well, that's not right. And it's the same judging panel. they're all sitting at the same table. like that's what I use as my example to tell people like you just don't know what's happening. you just don't know what's going down and each body's different. like all you can do is judge off of who's there that day and and what they like the most.
1: That's amazing. yeah. all right. well, that just deterred me
0: I couldn't her handle that yeah, my ego could not handle that kind of
1: kind of no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelly. Thank you so much for being on uh, the podcast with us.
2: Of course, we yeah, appreciate it. A day. Okay. All right. Bye. Right.
1: Bye. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. I'd
0: that be was...
1: pissed. I'd be like, "Excuse me, excuse me. I just beat this asshole." Yeah. And the last one. And no. I
0: saw him eating fries <laughs> and pizza last night.
1: <laughs> Not fair.
0: Not fair. No, it is, it is subjective. Like, I don't know, like gymnastics. You know, how do you know? Right. That person got a 10 and that one got a 9.9. I mean, there's no, it's not like a a race where you go, he came in first, he wins, you know, or she wins or swimming, you know, it's like, you know, one of those things. Maybe
1: he just flexed harder.
0: Maybe he flexed harder. Maybe, maybe that guy that's the judge is his uncle.
1: That's true too. There's the whole politics involved. I think what was, you know, really interesting about having her on is it does really parlay into just the average person. You look at your, you know, your, your friend and you think we eat the same diet or shit. You look at your friend and think they eat like shit and I eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And why do we look so different? Why are yeah. our bodies, you know, different in terms of, um, you know, fat percentage or, you know, muscle tone? And the same thing happens on a competitive sort of landscape when it comes to fitness competitions and bodybuilding. All of those people deal with the same thing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and I think it's like anything. You can't just take, I mean, there's some basic guidelines as far as diet goes, but, you know, we always talk about how you can't just say, I'm going to eat what this person eats. Your body is different. You have Mm -hmm. to figure out what, what works for you. Right. You know, um, I don't know, maybe we'll do an episode on my uh, recent food changes. Oh,
1: that's a great idea since you don't, you can't eat anything anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll definitely talk well, about that. Yeah,
0: well, I can eat stuff. Just right. some of my favorite stuff. Um, but uh, but if I looked like um, at these articles and say, okay, Tom Brady eats this, and people are like, oh my god, what does Tom Brady eat? Well oh, how
1: about I, Michael Phelps? They were talking when he had won the Olympics. Everybody oh everybody yeah. was talking about what he ate. Yeah. yeah, well he's swimming like thirteen hours a day. Yeah, he people. would have
0: McDonald's and waffles, four and pizzas and four sh- pizza. yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. It, and people okay. were
1: like, oh, so okay, see, it's okay to it's eat like, that. Yeah, because
0: he's all lean. He's all cut up. <laughs> My problem is I'm not eating enough. I need twelve thousand calories a day. You know, it's like you can't you gotta figure these things out for yourself. I mean, I think that's a a, a big point that we we always try to get across. I mean, you start with some basics, but you know, your I don't know, I guess manual for your body is something that you kind of have to figure out. It's true. You have to fine-tune things.
1: And when you're looking at some of these magazines, albeit that it may be airbrushed and, mm-hmm. you know, um, not exactly the real deal. But these people that you're looking at have gone through such a major deprivation diet mm-hmm. and are spending up to three hours in the gym. Yeah. You can't compare. You and I cannot say – that's what we want to look like unless we're willing to put that kind of time that kind of effort and that kind of sacrifice into it and in my opinion that's why we don't look that way i mean you're (laughs) you're a little closer than i am but um it's just not it align it doesn't align with what our our
0: what your goals goals are are. yeah i mean do you do you want that to be your your life and Mm -hmm. if you do then that's 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 fine yeah
1: But you should probably find somebody that also aligns with that because it's a hard thing to… Absolutely. You're definitely not surrounding yourself with people who like to go out for pizza and beers.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right. So is that it for this episode? Yeah, That's
1: it. That's all I got.
0: All right. So for Too Fit to be Tied, I'm Jerome.
1: I'm Constance.
0: And we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.